You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. From One Life to Live and Who's the Boss to Transparent, The Politician, and many, many more, Judith Light has been the bright light in television, film, and on stage for decades. A fierce advocate for numerous causes, Judith was honored in 2019 with the Isabel Stevenson Tony Award for her extensive philanthropy work to end HIV AIDS and as a champion for LGBTQIA plus causes and human rights. I can think of no better first guest to launch Broadway Gives Back podcast than my dear friend, Judith Light. Judith, I'm so excited you're here to launch this podcast with me for so many reasons. First of all, you are a dear, dear friend, and I thought this would be super fun for us. Second, you are one of the most charitable and socially conscious human beings I know, and I really think our listeners will love to hear from you about your philosophies of giving back. And you are really one of the main reasons that I now make a living in the philanthropic space. When I decided to make a career shift and move from my marketing position on Broadway to work in philanthropy and social good, you were the one who invited me to dinner and talked me through all my choices and helped me make this decision. So thank you and welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Oh, you sweet person. I'm so glad that you told everybody that we're good friends. Uh, that that means the world to me. And I'm so delighted that you're doing this. I think it's so valuable for so many people to be able to hear about um, what it means to be of service in the world. And I have to say that you are um, a person who does that. That is what you are all about. So no, no better person to do this podcast than you, my friend. You are so sweet. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to ask you some questions and then we'll just chat yeah. as we do all the time. Um, yeah. But I thought, you know, giving context to this, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, how you kind of got into being a more socially responsible person. So I guess my question is historical. Um, did your upbringing help make you more socially responsible or charitable? Or is it something that came to you later in life? You know, I don't, I don't 
think about it as being socially responsible. Um, and I think for a lot of people, they hear that and they go, oh, I can't do that. Oh, that's too much. It's too heavy. I, there, there's something else for me that happens, and it actually happened by demonstration. You know, you're a parent, and you know that whatever you say to your children is one thing. What you demonstrate is really um, what they learn from more, more dynamically. And my parents were very giving people of service. My father's parents um, were immigrants from the old country. And they, when they came here, there, there was a, 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 a gratitude and a, 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 an appreciation for life in this country that I saw demonstrated by them all the time. When I was um, in in high school and I was also doing community theater, my father would drive me from Trenton, New Jersey to rehearse for the Burlington County Footlighters 45 minutes. He would sleep in the car because he was in the institutional food business, so he had to be up at two or three o'clock in the morning. He would sleep in the car, drive me home, and this, for whatever play I was doing, this went back and forth all the time. So... My father was a demonstration to me of being of service. My mother did all different kinds of, um, philan not philanthropic or charity work, but she always took on something that would be supportive to the community. She was in the PTA and she was a Girl Scout leader. And, you know, I watched them and I watched the way they operated in the world. It wasn't to get something. It was always to give. So that's kind of the way I would say that I saw it demonstrated. And then the other piece that I would say is that I knew it early on that anything that was unjust, that wherever I saw some behavior that was unjust, I, I felt compelled to find a way to speak to it or write it in some way. Um, and so um, I would say, it was it was early on for me, and by demonstration. I I think that's exactly right, and I think you know you and I are kindred spirits in so many ways. And I've yeah. told you this story before, but you know I had also immigrant parents, and um, my mother, similar to your mother, PTA president and League of Women's Voters and a Girl Scout leader. And um, I think I've told you the story, but on Saturday afternoons, my mom would take me to the supermarket and we would buy all the food that was going to be thrown out, all the day-old bread and, and the day-old cold cuts. And on Sunday mornings, we made sandwiches and we packed them in bags and we brought them down to Venice Beach and distributed them to the homeless there. So I also learned from demonstration and I feel like it's such an important thing for parents to remember as they're raising their kids, how to demonstrate that, that, that giving. Uh, you know, you never told me that story. Uh, you never, you never told me that that's remarkable. I mean, what a what, I mean, there's your history right there. There's your demonstration right there. That's spectacular. And you too. Um, so do you, remember, do you remember, like, is there a first time where you actually participated in, you know, um, some kind of philanthropic endeavor, whether it was, um, a, you know, a bike-a-thon or a walk-a-thon or some kind of charity thing in high school? Um, was there like a moment where you did something and you went, oh, that feels really good? Not that I can remember. 
I don't have an instantaneous recollection of something, but I can tell you that um, as life went on, you said, you know, a bike-a-thon, and I was like, oh, um, I did, I, I, I can't, I, I, when I talk about it, I can't even believe that I did it. I did the um, California AIDS ride uh, back in 1995 and rode my bike from San Francisco to Los Angeles um, to raise money for the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center. And I still don't even know how I actually accomplished that. And I know what I, the experience, the feeling of it was profound and far reaching. And, but there were other things before that. I was very involved early on in uh, world hunger um, and seeing what it was that, um, that, that, that knowing that there was enough food in the world and that what was happening was that people were not being fed. They were starving to death um, because of, of so many aspects of, of, of politics, political will. Um, and so I began to do a lot of work with a, an organization called The Hunger Project. Um, and I and I had, again, the same experience, but it wasn't in the doing of the experience necessarily. It was the the seeing something and feeling connected in some way that the experience was the driving force. It wasn't like I had this thought, I should do this. This would be a good thing to do. This would help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that at all. It was this profound um, voice inside of me that said, you see this, it's untenable. Something needs to be done. And it doesn't matter how big or small it is, just do something, relate to it, find a way to bring people together, talk to other people about it, make it focus on it in some way. I I just think that the, you know, the, our lives are so much richer for bringing that to attention. We, we feel differently about ourselves. I I, I don't know about you, but you know, when you, you're a fundraiser, you raise, you raise money for organizations. It's like, I would, I love to do that because I always talk to people. I say, this is how you're going to feel when you do this. It's a feeling state. It's not some intellectual thing for me. It it might be for other people, but it's not for me. Yeah, I I agree. I I know that for myself, when I participate in some kind of fundraising program or even just direct giving, I just, it's the, it's a, it's a feeling. It's almost like some kind of, you know, chemical gets released inside me and I feel good. So I feel sometimes like it's a selfish thing that I'm doing an unselfish thing. It Um, is. Right? It, it, it absolutely it, it it totally is and when you do that all of a sudden it, it it's almost it, it makes you want to do more I, it does for me anyway yeah me too me too I know we're very we're very alike in in that way we are um, yeah. you know I find it interesting too because you're obviously in a position where you can use your 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 fame. I know you don't like to say that, but I'm going to say it. And you have a lot of people who love you and fans and um, you can leverage that for good. And you can talk about causes that are important to you and you can help fundraise in ways that, you know, us mortals can't always do. But 
I do think that it's important to talk about the way everybody can be a philanthropist, um, whether it's giving of time yeah. or writing a check um, or, or you know, donating an experience or whatever it is. Um, so just can you just talk a little bit about how these listeners that are hearing us today, um, they may not have, um, you know, the same sort of pulpit that, that you have, um, and they may not have the same checkbooks that, you know, that we could write big checks to, but how can people participate? Like, how do we encourage more of that sense of giving that we just talked about? We're, we're social animals. We are community. I say this so, so often. I, we're one family. And when we recognize that, really, not just the words or, you know, isn't this a nice thought and wow, how inspiring. And when you really know that that's true, that we are all family with each other. And it doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter what your calling is. There's so many ways, if you just look around you, if we're not so focused on ourselves, and I find that, you know, in our business, it's, you know, we, we tend to do that a lot, that we focus on ourselves so much. And it's like, we, that's, not, that's not where we need to be. And I think there's going to be a new world being ushered in now. I was listening to Joe Biden the other night and Kamala Harris um, mm-hmm. with your uh, lovely, wonderful uh, fiance, uh, Glenn, shooting that wonderful event for the Bidens in Delaware and, uh, I, you know, and, and for the Harris's. In Del- thank you for the plug. And thank you for the plug for Glenn. I love him. He's my He's the best. He's wonderful. Uh, um, yes, my, my fiance is Glenn Weiss, who produced and directed the uh, the uh, the Biden Harris uh, victory uh, celebration the other night, as well as a few other things. A few <laughs> other things like the Oscars and the Emmys and the Tonys and the anyway. Uh, we love you, Glenn. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, the the you you listen to the speaking. And I get emotional when I think about it. I am the 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 the, the president for all people. Hmm. I I am I I this unity, this bringing together, this this um, speaking to who we all really are at the bottom line, and you see the joy that comes from that. And so anybody can do that in their in their just in their family. In their community, um, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be this big lofty thing. I think we say, "Oh my, you must be a celebrity with a platform." I remember saying early on um, to my manager, who has since passed, he. I, I said, "If I ever do get any kind of notoriety, I I want to do something with it." Now, not everybody wants to. Not everybody should. Not everybody needs to. This is not a should thing, you know. And we don't, we don't call it, it's not philanthropy or charity. It always sounds like we're the superior ones. And I I really, this is like, are you going to be of service in your life? Will you be of service to other people? Will you stop making your life only about you? And will you relate in, in a, in, in a way that is 
not about you. We're not here to get anything in life. We're, we're only here to give. And so that's how I frame all of this. It's all, all about connections and energy, right? Well, yeah. And I mean, and I know you feel very similarly. So to, to give people advice or guides, I can't do that. It's like, you know what in your life, what needs to be done. You know that, you know, you can, if you love animals like I do, you, you go and volunteer one day for, in an animal shelter. You do what your mother did with you. You go to the grocery store and you buy extra stuff and you, you make, you give food to the homeless. You, there's, there are ways, you know what they are and you, you know, in your own heart and your own life and your own experience, what those, what, what you, what you would choose to how you would choose to be of service and how you would choose to give. But I think you're right. It, it is about, you know, giving and, and it's about that, that deep connection that we feel to other people. And you're right that it, you, people can identify it for themselves and, um, and then act upon it. And there's many different ways to act upon it and people have to figure out what's right for them. Um, right. It doesn't, it doesn't have to, you don't even have to write a check. Um, you know, that's, you know, that in a lot of ways, um, writing checks is fantastic. Make no mistake about it. It's like (laughs) give when you can give, but $2 is giving, you know, we, we tend to discount. I remember when Howard Dean was running for president, he got everybody to give small amounts of money and it, and, and it worked and people felt included and participatory. So, you know, and sometimes people write these big checks and then they just forget about what the cause is and they, it, and it assuages their guilt. This is not about feeling guilty. This is about seeing what doesn't work in the world and what can work and how you can participate in, in making that transformation. So to that point, let's just talk about some of the causes that are near and dear to your heart. Now, you've done so much work in so many areas, but um, you received the Tony Award for your philanthropic contributions. Um, so tell me a little bit about, you know, what did that feel like for you? How did that compare to receiving the honors and awards that you've received in your career, you know, whether they're Emmys or other Tonys and just, and the work that's important to you, like what causes are near and dear to your heart and why? Receiving the Isabel Stevenson Tony was probably, I would say one of, if not the highlight of my career and my, my, my service. Um, it's given to a person in the theatrical community, um, who has done work in different, it can, it doesn't have to be to the theater community. Um, it can be anything, whatever your, whatever your, um, your service is. And for me, as you said, it was for the uh, work that I had done for HIV and AIDS and for the LGBT QIA plus and um, human rights. And in the very beginning of the the AIDS pandemic, this goes back to what we were talking about before, I saw what was happening and there was a level of injustice that I found intolerable. And my friends were dying. I mean, you know, Jan, we lost... How, I mean, we lost a generation of talent in the theater community, um, and people are still dying from AIDS. And I, I just felt, again, it was in my gut. I felt compelled to stand up and say something. I saw the way that 
what I considered my family were, were being treated. Uh, the government's response was completely anemic. Um, the, people were discounting the community in massive ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, I saw that it was all being driven by a homophobic uh, dynamic. And I felt compelled to stand up and say something. And that was in the early 80s um, and has been so for all of these years. So to receive that was really um, a powerful and um, treasured moment for me. Um, I'm very, as I said before, I'm very connected to um, animals and um, the you know, the caring of animals. I mean, you know, we've got Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, which is one organization that is very near and dear to my heart, as you know. Um, and the, and, <laughs> and, of, and of right. And of course, you know, our Tom Viola and Danny Whitman, the whole gang over there and just, and the Actors Fund, um, of course. And, you know, a part of Broadway Cares is, you, you know, you've seen Broadway Barks that Bernadette Peters has done. Yep. That she does that event. So there are things like that. The climate is extremely important to me. Um, If we don't have a a planet, um, we can kiss all of our wonderful good works goodbye. Um, And I I read this remarkable um, piece on Greta Thunberg in um, the New York Times magazine yesterday. And um, so she's so infinitely articulate. Um, and she talks about celebrities and why do we have to have it be celebrities that make us pay attention to this? And I, I thought that was important. I also, I don't like to call it activism. I, that has a, a I, I call it my advocacy. There's something about that that has a, um, it's a gentler word for me um, about that implies kindness and gentility and Activism, while I think it's important and I think it's, you know, it drives us, the injustice of something drives us to become activists, you know, much, much like um, um, we've been seeing in in the past months since um, George Floyd was killed. And that that we, we see that Black Lives Matter and activism and advocacy go hand in hand. Arts, God, the arts, it's, they're so important and they're going to be uh, so more important now than ever before. And particularly arts education, it is the arts that lift up a society. It is the arts that lift us culturally and the expansion of our worlds and our connection to to other uh, countries and internationally. And there, there is something about the arts that has the ability to reach out in ways that um, other things might not in the same, in the same way or with the same ease. And, and hunger still, hunger is still, right. you know, really, you know. Yeah. I mean, on the hunger front, you know, it's so interesting because hunger is something that can truly be addressed and eradicated. And there yes. are people that have actual programs that say, we can take, we can do this. We can make sure that there is no kid going to be hungry in five years from now. And here's our plan to do it. So hunger is a frustrating one for me because the answer is there and we know how to do it. And it's just very difficult to you know, mobilize and get the people to do it. But we are doing it. And there are a lot yeah. of organizations that are working really hard to do that. Um, yeah, but we've been talking about this. That's when the Hunger Project started in 1977. It was a commitment to recontextualize what the issue is. And one of the things 
that I, I, I see that we, we tend not to do is we focus on the content of something, of the, of the issue, instead of reframing what, what has to be reframed in order to transform the dynamics of what's happening, because we're doing the same things over and over and over and not getting any result. And so what ends up happening is that people get frustrated, people drop out, people say, ugh, nothing can be done, people get futile. You, you know in your own life when you've recontextualized something, all of a sudden everything shifts. All yeah. of a sudden you, you brush your teeth differently in the morning. You get up in the world in a different way. And I don't know exactly how to dynamically um, articulate it. I think people know from an experiential sense w- what we're talking about. Right. So the focus on the content of something just keeps us going, well, we got to get the food over there and how are we going to do it? There are other issues that need to be reframed. I trust I've made that clear. You know, I think the reframing is definitely the first step. I also think, you know, looking at the situation and saying, here's the plan, I'm naming it, and then putting a time frame to it and holding yourself accountable. And I feel yes. like sometimes in the, and I, I don't know which word to use because we've used so many words, but whether it's philanthropic or advocacy or activism or charity or social conscious or, or impact, you know, looking at, at service. service, service, but, you know, looking at that and saying, I'm going to be accountable. I'm, and, and many times charities and organizations that are 501c3s do the work and it's, it's important work and it's hard work, but there's not as much accountability and I think that that goes hand in hand with reframing, um, putting a timetable to it and saying, here's the plan, here's how we're going to do it, and here's when we're going to get it done by. You know, our friend Dan Pilata has written a book called Uncharitable and how to reframe the way we look at charity because charity isn't about a handout. It's about shifting the way people think about our our endeavors. You know, that's the the wonderful, the Doe Foundation, I believe it is. They say, you know, they, they give a hand up, not a hand out. You know, when I was talking earlier about that dinner where you helped me make a decision about moving forward with my career, um, the thing that you said to me, actually in the middle of the dinner, you pulled it, you pulled out a computer and you said, here, you have to look at this TED talk by Dan Pilata, who was a dear friend of right. yours, who has since right. become a friend of mine as well. Um, and that TED talk made a very big difference in, in the way I looked at philanthropy. So I would like to ask you, maybe one day um, you and Dan could come on this podcast together and we could have a little panel about this because I think that would open oh. up another entire conversation. Um, oh, and I, I think, think that, that would be, that would be fantastic. Fantastic. I would, I would love that. I would okay. love that. I'm, I'm going to um, hold you yes. to that. Um, yes, please. You're, um, um, yes. <laughs> I, and as you know, um, my word is important to me. It is. Um, yeah. I do want to talk to you about, about Broadway a little bit because um, yeah. I've been splitting my time between New York and LA during this pandemic. And um, every time I come back to New York, I just, um, I walk through Times Square and I just, I'm, I'm so sad and I'm so sad for all my friends on Broadway. And um, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the shutdown here and what your thoughts were about how we can support 
to all the folks in the theater world during this unprecedented time, um, you know, whether they're people on stage or whether they're people who are in ancillary businesses that are impacted by Broadway shutdown. Um, you know, what are your what are your thoughts about this? Well, I like you am um, really sad, which um, doesn't help anybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like my sorrow for all of this does absolutely nothing to dynamically shift where we all are. I have seen a kind of creativity that has come out of this time that is illuminating to me. Um, I'm on the board of a theater, an off-Broadway theater here in New York, um, the Manhattan Class Company, MCC. And we have been putting out all different kinds of programs on Zoom, doing play readings, reaching out to diverse communities to bring in uh, those uh, voices of diversity to do these plays. I, I know that people are in deep discussions about how to bring all of this back. There are there is talk of you know redoing the the air filter air filtration systems in theaters. Um, and so for me, I'm looking at talking about connecting with um, people to see what we can actually look at that will move this um, into a new reframing like we were just talking about before, that that the only way to have a transformation of this is to reframe it in some way. Now, look, there is good news this morning about Pfizer having a, a potentially 90% effective vaccine. I think that's going to make a real difference. I think there are organizations that are really supporting um, the, the people in this community. Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, the Actors Fund. Yes, exactly. and and there's this wonderful um, uh, Richard Weiss, who's a, a, a an agent, is doing a thing called Quarantunes and raising money for different organizations and raised um, a tremendous amount of money for Broadway Cares Equity Fight Days. But there's there there are people doing all different kinds of things. Um, I fear that we're losing another generation of great talent. Because our 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 musician folks, our our our, our talent, our our you know, our people in in this in the community can't stay because they can't afford to. So we finding new ways to create um, um, support for everybody, and remembering that we've got to make sure that everybody gets fed that they have a shelter and that their health is taken care of. So that's the bottom line. That's the Maslow's hierarchy. Then we can get back to the theater. And I think, I fear we won't have something until people feel comfortable enough coming back into a space um, where they can be with other people. And all the domino effect that this has, um, that has, that this has created, the restaurants, the hotels, the um, the cleaners, the uh, the shoemakers, the, the everybody, the wig makers. You know, this is this is an expansive community. So, and it is the if not the biggest, um, one of the biggest money makers for New York City. Um, and what's happening now is that I I think with people being able to 
to film things here, like Steiner Studios is open, and that's where we're, we're shooting um, uh, for Lynn, um, Manuel Miranda for Tick, Tick, Boom. I think we're going to be able to bring some money back into the city in a in a in a dynamic way. Let me just say that I'm hopeful. I know how resilient this community is, and I know how important this community is to to New York, um, and to the rest of the country, and subsequently to the world. So, um, we we need to keep paying attention. And you, my friend. Uh, can be on top of that in a way that a lot of people cannot. Uh, you have the access and you know people and um, you can have those conversations. Well, there are a lot of people working very hard to support the theater folks at this time. And um, yeah. I, I do feel that the creativity that's coming out of this situation, I think there's always, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but you know, there is a silver lining and, you know, when, with change comes opportunity. And I think there's a lot of interesting things that are coming out right now. And um, I know it's a really difficult time, but I do feel hopeful as well. Um, you, so you talked a little bit about filming Tick, Tick, Boom with our mutual friend, Lynn. Tell me a little bit um, about how the experience on set has changed with COVID. Oh my goodness. Well, you can't see anybody. It's like looking out at a sea of space people because everybody's covered in, you know, everybody's covered in shields and masks and how the devotion to everyone's health and safety has been remarkable. I don't even know how how I can even acknowledge it enough. The consistency of the COVID testing. This show has remarkable producers and executive producers and your room where you're getting dressed or your trailer is sanitized and cleaned and and that everybody is making sure that, you know, you have the right equipment to take care of yourself. And um, you know, it's like uh, I was doing Andrew Garfield and I have these two phone conversations. And the first one, I was here in the apartment in New York and they were shooting Andrew's coverage of the scene. And I'm on the phone line with him doing it. And Lynn is texting, texting me direction of what to do. So I, it, it's just... Like you say, um, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And we're finding all of these ways to be with each other. None of us, if we are, you know, so fortunate to do the premiere of this movie and we can all take, you know, be together and see each other's faces, nobody's going to recognize who anybody is because we don't, we don't, we don't know who people are because you can't really see a full face. Um but I'm so really feel so blessed and so grateful to get to be able to do this project. It's really spectacular. And Lynn is such a good director. Um, and, and Andrew's just generous and wonderful. The whole team is just great. And by the way, Lynn has cast a ton of Broadway people in this show, in this movie. Um, so it's New Yorkers and it's, you know, Danny Burstein, and Judy Kuhn and Rama DeJesus. I mean, it's like, it's like the, the it's our world. I, I, Lynn came up to me and sort of sidled up to me in one moment between setups. And I, I, I can't remember how many Tonys he said were in the actual room. 
Um, <laughs> how, how many Tony Awards were actually in the room? That's funny. Um, but it's, it's, it's um, and it's more difficult and it's more challenging. And you can't, if you're a prima donna, get, get out of the way. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you don't ask for anything. You just come and make sure you're healthy and do your job. And if they tell you to quarantine, you quarantine. I had to come back from LA. I was doing, um, uh, some, uh, stuff for this project I'm, uh, I'm about to do, um, uh, that I will talk to you about another time when I can talk about it. Um, and, I couldn't, um, they took impeccable care of us there as well, but I had to come back early here so that I could quarantine for two weeks before I showed up. Right. So everybody is being profoundly um, careful. Right. You know, at the end of the day, I think my love for theater and the arts in general, it's so much about the energy and the connections. And even during this time of the pandemic, even with PPE and shields and, and masks, there's still that energy that's flowing and there's still those connections. And at the end of the day, those connections are also the things that help drive us toward being more um, more giving and, and participating more in charity or advocacy or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think that those are the things that are deep in the human spirit that are going to prevail and uh, propel us forward and get us through all this. I, I think you're I think you're right. And I also think that when you that's the moment when you look and see and you say, okay, what does this community need? But it comes off of what you just articulated. You see something, you feel something, and you are compelled to to act, to be of service. And I think you're you just said it beautifully. Well, and the other thing that Judith has agreed to do other than just this podcast is that she is going to do an online auction and auction off a virtual Zoom meet and greet um, for a charity of her choice. And we'll be announcing that shortly. And you can also go to the webpage to learn more about that. Um, so thank you for that, Judith. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being on this this first podcast of Broadway Gives Back. And just thank you for your amazing humanity. And, you know, not to <laughs> pun intended, but you truly are a light. And um, I have been with you in so many situations where um, you are interacting with other people and everybody just comes to you like you are, you are the light and you shine in every room that you're in, in the most humble of ways and people are drawn to you and you are an amazing human being. And I'm so grateful to be your friend. And I'm so grateful that you were here today to talk to us. Thank you. Thank you so much. The feeling is completely mutual. I see the way people relate to you out of the way you give to everyone. And I am so honored and privileged and proud to be your friend. And I love you. And thank you for asking me to be your first. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, honey. I love you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Broadway Gives Back. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals with Brittany Bigelow and music by Eric Becker at Broderick Street Music. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, and friend, Jim Lochner, and to Katie and Yo at BPM, Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency, the Charity Network, 
and to my fiance, Glenn Weiss, who is always my consultant. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit bpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.